on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. We jump right into local college football by recapping the Bedlam beatdown. We break down what we saw from the Sooners and their dominant win, and Brandon Whedon stops by to explain what went wrong for Oklahoma State. In the National College Football Roundup, we recap some of the marquee games of the weekend and bring you the latest college football news. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and wet the beak with Monday night football between the Rams and Bucks. To finish up, we get sad about Steven Adams being traded and keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Oh, man, Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. Beautiful Monday, November 23rd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Sunday night during the middle of the Chiefs-Raiders. Seems like it's a pretty good game right now. Raiders 17, Chiefs 14. We got a good one going. But, Teddy, I I said this on the radio broadcast on the postgame show, and and I meant it, so I I just wanted to reiterate it. 2020 has been really rough for a lot of people. It has been weird – It has been extremely unpredictable, but it is really nice to experience something that just feels completely normal. And Saturday night, as I watched Oklahoma beat Oklahoma State's ass, that felt so comfortably normal to me in this crazy year. That sense of normalcy was incredibly refreshing, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love it. And you're right. And until you said that, I hadn't really thought of it, but it is normalcy because, you know, I'm from the eastern side of the state. I'm, I'm from Oklahoma State territory, and most of my family, Oklahoma State fans. So every year I get the text message from my cousin who lives down in – uh, in San Antonio 
about usually Thursday, Friday-ish about how bad they're going to beat us and how terrible we are and we're overrated this year. And and then I always get the text message post-game about how horrible Gundy is as a coach and how they're way too conservative. It's it's clockwork, man. It really is clockwork, and it does make you feel just a little bit normal again. It makes you feel good, and that's why we're just going to get right to it. We're going to get right to it. And jump right into the local college football. And that's brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma and it is absolutely delicious. Also good in the winter. Just wanted to let you know. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you and go follow them on social media at, at Will & Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. Okay. Bedlam blowout? Bedlam beatdown? Bedlam beatdown. Bedlam beatdown. 41-13, and it was over quickly. Teddy, where do we... Where do we even start? Now, we normally start with the offense, so I, I guess we'll start there. But first of all, I want to say, that crowd was awesome. I agree. It, that I mean, was it was kind of loud. I was kind of shocked. You know, right before kickoff, everyone had their phones out with, like, the, the light on, you know, and we're kind of waving around. I was like, huh, if I didn't know better, I would say that this thing is, like, over half full and – rowdy that was pretty cool it's about yeah. as good as the atmosphere as i've seen anywhere honestly completely agree and is the phone thing a thing did that become a thing and we just missed it i it was that night i have no idea that's the first time i remember it happening um i'm sure it's happened before in in big games and stuff but i don't know it looked cool though yeah all right bedlam beat down let's start with the offense uh let's start with spencer rattler Thought he was extremely efficient. Uh, had a great move, right? Showing a little wiggle on the touchdown run to start this football game. But was just composed and took a couple sacks. Maybe he could have got rid of the football, but didn't put the ball in harm's way. Was secure with the football when he was in trouble. And no turnovers. And, that's, it, it, and you've seen when this guy takes care of the football, this offense rolls, and he had some fantastic throws in this game. I thought for his first bedlam, he played about as well and as composed as you could have hoped for. Yeah. I mean, he just let all of his tools really do the work. He let the offensive line protect. He let the running game go, let the running game get the yards. Um don't be too aggressive. Take some shots whenever you've got the one-on-ones that you like and whenever you've got the look that you like and, you, you know, you've dialed up something really good and you know what's coming and, you know, just let everyone do their thing and just hand them the ball. Just give those guys the ball all over the field. It doesn't have to be anything flashy. That's exactly what he did, man. He, he, he does not look like, a freshman at all there is 
at this point in the season, now early in the season, there was a little bit, but there is no panic. Totally comfortable out there on the football field. He he sees what the defense is doing pre-snap and post-snap. He's just settled in quicker than pretty much any other quarterback I've ever watched as a freshman. Yeah, and I thought he did a really good job of spreading the football around. Yeah, right? I think his his first he completed his first six passes, I believe, to six different players, if I remember right. Yeah, and you saw what Mims, Marvin Mims had the highlight catch that we're all seeing replayed on SportsCenter early in that football game, and that was a great catch on a really good corner for Darius Williams. Uh, I, I will say this about Mims. I thought it was the fastest he had played all year. Remember, this was a guy that he, he missed some time because of, you would assume, the COVID stuff. He's just a freshman. At this point in the season, you thought maybe he's starting to wear down a little bit. I thought that was the most speed that he had played with. And I know it's not his biggest stat line, right? But just the way that the velocity he was playing with in that game, it stood out to me. I was like, okay, that is what this kid looks like when he's 100% healthy. Remember, he's been banged up, been wearing the blue non-contact jersey in practice and I just thought he looked fast as hell on Saturday night. Theo Weiss continues to be Mr. Reliable for this team, right? And it was good to see him get rewarded. What, the two catches, both touchdowns, yep. the one on the back shoulder from Rattler, that was a beautiful throw. And then the other one, well, uh, it was just a busted coverage from Oklahoma State, but it, it was good to see that kid finally get in the end zone. Uh, I think he continues to improve and make big plays for this football team. And then, Ted, Mikey Henderson, I don't know if he's a running back. I don't know if he's an H-back. I don't know if he's a tight end. I don't care. Fullback, I don't care what the hell we call this kid. The kid is an athlete, and the kid is a playmaker. No, he's a lot of fun. I mean, and, and that's a perfect example the the pass to Mikey Henderson, it's just a it's a man to man beater pick route pick screen whatever you want to classify it and he just runs a little swing they hit him and he turns it up and uses his speed that's it's nothing pretty by Rattler it's it's nothing high level it's just really good offense executed perfectly throw and catch and let the athlete go to work and. He's surrounded by him, and I, Mikey Henderson. Uh, it's a good thing he's just a high school senior. I'm glad you you brought that up with him. <laughs> yeah, uh, during he, the broadcast, he's, he's not even a true freshman. He's a high school senior technically, right? He'll be not a freshman even next a true year. True freshman. So uh, fantastic stuff, man. I I I think he is great, and he just makes it brutal. You know, whenever he and Ramondre are in the backfield together, talked about this during the broadcast. It reminds you a little bit of whenever Mixon and Pirine ran split backs together and you didn't know who was blocking and you didn't know who was getting the ball and both were really good at both. And that's what you're seeing with Ramondre and Mikey Henderson back there together. And he's great late in the game is like that mop up, you know, go out there and pound the rock in the four-minute drill. Yeah, it's almost like that Trey Sermon role that he used to come exactly. in kind of – that, that closer role, and we're starting to see Mikey Henderson. And I know that this game was well out of reach when he was getting those carries, but with Austin Stogner, 
most likely being out when the Sooners head to West Virginia, it's going to be interesting to see if Mikey Henderson continues to get some more plays drawn up for him because I, I think this is a big opportunity for him. And I think the more that Lincoln sees what this kid can do, I know there's not a ton of games left in the season, but you got to get him the football. I mean, he's just too explosive. And I know he, he's not the best blocker in the world. I rewatched the game. He tries. I mean, he, he's going to get better in the future when he adds some more strength. And, and they're asking him to do some difficult things, you know, going back on the split zone. Uh, I'm sure he didn't do a lot of that in high school. So he's got some growing to do as a blocker. But, I mean, it, it's hard to keep the ball out of this kid's hands. Uh, I mean, this is a guy you want to get five, you know, maybe eight touches a game for. He's just explosive. It's crazy because, you know, as I'm just kind of scanning the box score, you know, Ramondre Stevenson would be the best player on pretty much every team in the Big 12. Mikey Henderson would be, like, the second best player on any offense pretty much in the Big 12. Marvin Mims would be the best player pretty much on any offense in the Big 12. I mean, Theo Weiss, you you just you go really far down the list before you get to a guy, you know, that is a legitimate like role player that would be that on another team. That like who on our offense would be a role player on another team? Drake Stoops, Jeremiah Hall, but even Jeremiah Hall, what's he got, like five, six touchdowns on the year receiving? So it's just this group has quietly turned into a fantastic skill position lineup uh, that we, you know, felt okay about coming into the season. But, man, as, as this thing's rolled on, it's a really good group of guys. Now, we really haven't talked about what Ramondre did in this game, and I thought Ramondre Stevenson was good. They bottled him up early and credit to Oklahoma State especially that defensive line they were winning the battles at the line of scrimmage early in that football game and I thought that Oklahoma State's defense got worn down as the game went on especially with their offense's inability to really put drives together and OU's offensive line they kept leaning on them kept leaning on it's kind of that boxer mentality right a lot of body blows, a lot of short gains. But to Lincoln Riley's credit, he didn't abandon the run game. He didn't get discouraged by the one-yard gains, the two-yard gains, another one-yard, a zero-yard. Like He just kept calling runs and taking the big shots in the man-to-man coverage situations. And eventually the dam broke, right? And in that fourth quarter, late third, early fourth, and then throughout the fourth, Big chunk run after big chunk run. And you can see Ramondre Stevenson's faster than I think he is. I, I, he, he, or he looks faster than he did last year, in my opinion. In some of those runs where he was showing that patience and then hitting the hole, I was pretty impressed with his acceleration, but he continues to be an absolute man with the football in his hands. Yeah, he's brutal on the edge. And I know I've talked about it a lot, but you don't know what you're going to get. You may get a stiff arm. You may get a spin or a juke. 
or he may lower the shoulder on you. He may even try poorly to hurdle you, which is, that's the one thing that has not worked out good for his him. hurdle timing. Not great. Not great. He's He'll get it, one. He's tried it twice, uh, with, uh, with no good results, but that's what makes it so hard, man, is because he weighs 245. whenever you've got a shot at him, it's you and him, you're about to square him up. You're going to bring it now. You better you better bring everything that you got or he's going to run over you and fall forward for three yards. And as soon as you bring everything you got and you lunge at him, he's just going to spin out, juke out, and, you know, he's, he's going to leave you, you know, just, just sitting there looking foolish. So he's the total package and he's even doing some good things, catching the ball out of the backfield. So uh, once again, we got a total back. As predicted on this podcast, he got involved in the screen game early. Yeah. And once again, with what Oklahoma State was doing defensively coverage-wise, some big chunk plays early for him in the passing game, some simple screen concepts. And, man, he had some big chunk runs on that back-breaking 99-yard drive there in the fourth. He is – he continues to improve. All right, Ted, let's talk about the defense and – or I guess we didn't talk about the trick play. Should we talk about how cool that trick play was? Yeah. Everyone loved it. What do you call it? The Godfather. The Godfather, and I don't know why, but my theory is that had it, maybe it had something to do. Maybe it was an old design by Mike Leach or something that I, I don't know where the Godfather would come from. I guess maybe even how Mummy, a design or something. I don't know. So you're you're thinking the name of the play is paying homage to his roots. I don't know what else, like that's the only way I can kind of tie it together, but I don't know. That's just a, that's just a guess. Yeah. You don't call it that for no reason. Do you? I don't think so, but they also ran that play against LSU and Jalen Hurts threw it right into a defensive end hand when all he had to do was (laughs) touch it up over him. I was, it, it, uh, I was so frustrated at the Peach Bowl on that play. I was like, dude, all you have to do is dump it over the top. That's it. That's all you have to do. But, okay, but this, this version of it worked much better. It did. It was fantastic. It was great. Great. Okay. Defense. As always, I will defer to you. What'd you think? They were great. They were great all the way around. Um, it, it all starts with the defensive line, man. That's that's where it has to go. If you're going to play good defense, you have to be good up front, and we got that in spades right now. And Ronnie Perkins he had a big productive night. Isaiah Thomas continues to play really well. Uh, Benito, and there's just guy after guy after guy. They've got a really good rotation there, and it's working for them right now. So – that's the real key. That's what started it all. If your defensive line's playing well, makes it easier for the linebackers to play well. If the defense, uh, defensive line and linebackers are playing well, the secondary is going to lock in and be tighter on their coverage. Uh, the tackles become more condensed and easier. So it's just it's all clicking right now. Really good for them. And I love even late. You know, there's one thing that we. It's it's an Achilles heel for us, or has been, that we're not big on the back end. We're small. And Oklahoma State, 
tried to make us pay for that by putting the big six seven tight end out there on Trey Brown, and they went 0 for 2. So, you know, you just really look around everywhere. The only touchdown they gave up, I mean, we got a 15-yard penalty before that whenever we're essentially getting off the field. So, all oh, in all. What? There was a 15-yard penalty before that? No one was talking <laughs> about it. I mean, it's I've, – I've honestly I've – got, I've got no complaints. They've got the, the turnover they needed deep in Oklahoma State territory end up scoring a touchdown off of that. So, I mean, there's there's going to be stuff, obviously, whenever you go really look at the film, you know, the touchdown, we someone lost a guy somehow. But, you know, we're playing really good right now. We're, we're locked in the zone. Now, it was – and I know Oklahoma State's offense line, especially when Tevin Jenkins went out in that game, uh, which looked like an ankle – well, he did not look like he was feeling very good either. They shuffled their offense line. Oklahoma State's offensive line is not good. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that they are, but for OU to hold Chuba Hubbard and L.D. Brown to a combined 67 yards on 18 carries, I don't really who I don't really care who's blocking. Those are those are two NFL backs. That's a hell of a job. That is a hell of a job. The kids for Oklahoma State are on scholarship, right? They're on scholarship too. Now, OU's defensive line consistently whooped their ass the entire football game. And to hold those guys to 67 yards, that has to be – I mean, that has to be the biggest accomplishment for Oklahoma this year defensively. I, I don't think that that yeah. is uh, – I don't think that's overstating it. That is – an unbelievable job. It, it was fantastic. And it, shocking, maybe I shouldn't be shocked by it, but, you know, and we'll touch on this, but I thought their game plan, Oklahoma State's, was, was terrible. I mean, if you've got a quarterback that's struggling, give him, give him easy throws. Uh, find a way to get it into the playmaker's hands where it doesn't have to be some uh, protect, big protection scheme and, and stay in the pocket and long developing route progressions. Just like Mikey Henderson, it's a pick screen. Easiest throw in the world. Run some stuff like that to Chuba Hubbard or to Tyler Wallace. Let some of your players make some plays. They don't move the pocket. They don't max protect. They don't even take shots down the field to a guy that almost won the Bolitnikov two years ago doing exactly that over and over every game. They didn't do any of it. It's shocking. Dylan Stoner looks like every slot receiver that Tom Brady ever had in New England. And it feels like he doesn't run a single option route where you just throw it to him for six yards. Right. I mean, I know we can open. do it. Just, just do it. Right. I, it's weird. I don't know, man. That Their idea of getting the ball in Chuba Hubbard's hand, their NFL running back, their idea of giving him the, the ball is we'll run inside zone 15 times. We're not going to get it to you in space. We're not going to give it to you on the perimeter. We're not going to run swing screens or pick routes or option routes on a linebacker. 
we're just going to make you bang your head against the best thing that they've got, the defensive line. Here you go. Congratulations. And we're going to put two cowboy backs in the backfield so we bring even more people into the core and into the fit. (laughs) Teddy, it makes sense when you don't think about it. I don't know, man. It's it's shocking to me, honestly. I don't know, I don't know why why they're not more creative. I mean, if you're limited at quarterback, you don't get less creative. You get more creative in a in a way to find him easy throws. You don't have to make it like incredibly difficult. Just find a way to give him easy throws. Okay, so we've talked about everything that went right for Oklahoma, all the good that Oklahoma did in the Bedlam beatdown. But I, I wanted to bring Brandon Whedon in to talk about the Oklahoma State side of things. And Whedon, I guess the only question really that can be asked is, what went wrong? Or I guess what didn't go wrong? I don't know what went right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was, uh, I mean, pretty much from the jump. I mean, it, in the first eight or nine minutes, that game was pretty much over. Uh, you get down to a team like that that's, that's that powerful, especially offensively and playing that, that well defensively, you get down 21 nothing. I mean, it's pretty much over. But, you know, I, I just – it's it's frustrating, I guess, for me just looking at the game. You, know, you look at the, the way it all transpired. You know, it, it, to me it seemed a little bit conservative. Um, you know, we were talking about this before we started tonight. It's like – you know your deficiencies, your offensive line, you can't protect. you got a quarterback that's relatively mobile, and when he goes out, now you really got to protect because that guy's going to stay in the pocket. But they didn't do anything, in my opinion, play-calling-wise or, or schematically protection-wise to help the, that offensive line. And Ronnie Perkins is a dude. Um, you know, they've, they've got – you know, Winfrey's a dude. they got guys over there that can, they can wreck a game, and they did that. I mean, they, they completely wrecked the game with their def- defensive line, and, and uh, I mean, it was just – I haven't went back and watched it quite yet, but I don't know if I will. But it was uh, it, there wasn't much good to take from it. I mean, it was uh, you know the, the young kid came in and it wasn't much better for him. He what was he five of seventeen or something like that? And that's you know that's you can't win football games doing that. So um, I'm trying to think of good things that, that went right for Oklahoma State, but it's it's hard to come by. Would you have a start that's as poor as that was, and Oklahoma goes up, scores three times right out of the gate. I think the the tendency or the the panic kind of kicks in and you abandon maybe your game plan too quick because you're halfway through the first quarter. Right. And, you know, they eventually settled in defensively, but I feel like offensively they got away from Chuba Hubbard and trying to let him make some plays in the running game way too quickly. You know, is is was that just something that they had to do? Did you think maybe they abandoned him too early? Uh, no, I, th- I think they panicked a little bit. You know, they really haven't been in that spot. I just think like, oh, shit, you know, it's 21 nothing. You know, it, well, now what do we do? You know, I mean, you, you almost got to treat like a two-minute drill every time you go out there just to feel like you're in the ball game. But, you know, it, and I think the biggest X factor, X factor, it always will be, and I think he's, if not the best offensive mind in all college football, he's one of them. Lincoln Riley can out-scheme pretty much anybody. I mean, the dude is, is that good. And he dialed them up. I mean, he he had every um, – I mean, he just – the timing of some of the plays, I mean, there weren't, it wasn't anything fancy. A lot of shallow crosses and screens and, you know, relatively easy easy plays. But, I mean, that's the most out of sync I've seen that Oklahoma State defense look all year. And, and you put your back up against the wall like that. And then, then offensively you start pressing. And 
you know, uh, like I said, they settled in, but it was too late. I mean, it was going to be hard to overcome that. And, and, uh, you know, I just, I think, um, you know, just, just a rough night offensively, defensively coaching. It was just a rough night for Oklahoma state. Yeah. And defensively for Oklahoma state, they were really good against the run, but, you know, the strength, one of the strengths of this team had been how aggressive they were in the back end, their ability to play all that man coverage, all those cover one looks, and, and rely on Rodarius Williams and Colby Harvell Peel and the guys that have been playing really well in the back end. And they just got carved up by all those yeah. man beaters, Whedon. They did. And you know, that a lot of it was, uh, you know, Lincoln did a good job formationally to get in some of those tighter looks and, you know, some of those shallow cross with those guys that are playing man have to fight through all that traffic. And, that's tough. You know, that's tough. And you get, you know, some bootlegs and you get easy, simple throws like that. That's, that's tough when you're playing man coverage. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure they love watch the tape and I'm sure they regret, you know, maybe what they did, maybe play a little more zone, you know, a little more split 50 zone, just try to contain them, keep everything in front. But I mean, at the same time, you're down 21, nothing, things aren't going well. You want to start being aggressive. Uh, I guess that could be another, another way to go about it. But yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't think they tackled very well. They, they, for the most part until late in the game, they held Stevenson in check, but, um, and that, that guy's a beast too. And so you knew he was eventually going to, you know, kind of take over, take over that game. So, um, yeah, you know, they, they just, um, you know, just, just a rough night, bad time to go out and play like crap. And, uh, when you're down in Norman, I mean, you know, it doesn't pay me to say it's tough. You get down 21, nothing. There's not many teams in the country that can overcome that. And that's, uh, that was kind of the case last night. It was just a, it was just a rough night. Spencer Sanders, you know, you got to wonder where he goes from here. You know, he he comes out of the game. I don't know if it, what exactly that was, but he comes back. But I, he just hadn't gotten over the hump, man. I, I guess there's really no way to ask the question or sugarcoat it. Is he has not progressed the way that uh, I know the fan base and the people watching him. I don't know what the coaches have thought all along, but he feels like he's really stagnated as a just average quarterback in the big 12 or maybe below. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he had some, obviously he's had the turnover issues and I think they addressed those. And I think when they did, it's almost like they, they, he almost went into a shell. You know, he was worried so much about not turning it over that he kind of took the aggressiveness away. And, you know, to me, he's not running around enough. I'm, I'm not sure if that ankle's a hundred percent, but he's not using his legs like he can. He's not a guy that can drop back and throw it 35 times from the pocket and beat you. I mean, he's not, he never has been. He probably never will be. He's got to use his athleticism, get out of the pocket. You got to get him on the move, which was something I thought they may do a little bit more last night. um, Given how bad the offensive line was playing, they didn't do much of that. Um, You know, he just, the last few weeks, you know, against K-State, I mean, he was very, um, very hesitant, very um, conservative. And, you know, I think saw a little bit of that the other night, you know, last night as well. He just, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't quite been right. Um, you know, and I've, I've been there. I've had, a, you know, a couple stretches where you turn the ball over a little bit. You get a little gun shy, but, you know, at the end of the day, you got to put it behind you and, and go out and make plays. You got to trust your dudes and go let it rip. And, um, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't been doing it. And you can't win with average quarterback play. I don't care where you're at, who you're, who you're playing against. And um, it's just – it's hard to do. But, you know, one thing I was thinking about we were talking about earlier is, you know, yeah, he's, he's played rough, but it's also – I can't imagine the feeling playing behind an offensive line that can't protect. I don't know. I mean, literally, name one high school football team, college football team, NFL football team that's any good that has a bad offensive line. They're not. I out- try to tell people all the time, like they're talking about how great Spitzer Rattler is, and 
you know, you compare him to all these other quarterbacks. And I say college football is the worst. The comparison is not across the board. I mean, a lot of guys can stand back there, have a great running game, totally protected, and throw the ball all over the field. But when you're running for your life on every single play, it's completely different. Oh, I mean, unless you're, you know, unless you're a guy like Kyler Murray or, you know, one of these dudes that can flat run and, and run for 80 to 100 yards a game. I mean, but most of us can't do that. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's part of it. Uh, I, th- I think that's part of the struggles for him. Um, but, yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was one of those nights. I thought, thought maybe Illingworth, they could maybe do some things to help him. He can come in and throw it around a little bit from the pocket. But, um, you know, that first drive looked, looked all right, but then after that, it yeah. kind of went to, went to hell in a handbasket hand real quick. So, um, they got to get that offensive line shored up. That'll make things better for, obviously, the run game and, and um, obviously, in the passing game. They got to, you know, find ways to, to help those guys. We were, we were talking about it. I mean, first play of the game, I'm going to put Jelani Woods or I'm going to put Chuba Hubbard or L.D. Brown on one of those sides, and I'm going to let the tech, tackle set inside, and I'm going to knock the ever-living hell out of Ronnie Perkins right in the ear as hard as I can. And – and if he keeps getting to the quarterback, I'm going to keep chipping him. I'm going to keep chipping him. I'm going to keep chipping him. But you got to help your tackles. You got to – that way they can set inside out and run them around the loop and not let them bull rush here, come inside, just keep that pocket contained. But they didn't do any of that. I mean, just kind of a five-on-five five game. And, and they'll use defensive lines playing too good right now. And, and they, they controlled and, in my opinion, dominated that football game. So, Whedon, <clears throat> I mean, this was supposed to be a team that was supposed to be the best since your team in, two, in 2011. Right, that that's kind of the chatter we had been hearing about this team. Ton of talent. Where do they go from here? Right, they've got Tech, TCU, and Baylor left on the schedule. Uh, I know the fan base is mad as hell, from what I can gather. I mean, where does this team go from here, man? Yeah, I mean, you got to win the last three. I mean, that's got to be your main focus. You got to win out. Obviously, and you gotta have, you gotta be lucky, and some stuff's gotta fall on your lap. You gotta, you know, some things. I'm not. There's probably all kinds of scenarios for them to maybe sneak in, to, you know, to the Big 12 championship. But you know, they they put themselves in this predicament. So now the control is what's in front of them. Go out and try to win these next next three, and and kind of see where see where things fall. But yeah, I mean, I know you know we all do. I mean, you guys obviously have Texas and probably Oklahoma State circle on your calendar every single year, and so the fans. And and for Oklahoma State fans, I think they're frustrated because. You know, it just seems like year in and year out, they can't we can't get over the hump and and win, you know, games against Oklahoma consistently, and that's kind of the the elephant in the room. You know, I, I think um, trying to win the last time we won was 2014, I guess the Tyree Kill punt return, I guess it was the last time Oklahoma State had beat OU. So, you know, there's obviously some frustration there, but uh, as far as the team goes, they just got to regroup, get back on track, go win, you know, his next three, and see what happens. I mean, obviously, it's it's not what they want, it's not what probably anybody would have expected, you know, to start the year with all the hype they had. But, um, you know, they, they put themselves in this position and now it's on them to, you know, go finish it out, go play, uh, go play to try to win the last three games and, and maybe, you know, at least go put yourself in position to play in a good bowl game. You think there's any, any worry around there about, you know, cause this wasn't the best off season ever for Gundy and, you know, uh, having a good tight relationship with the rest of his football team. You think there's any chance now that we've seen some things kind of drift away and some of the goals, the reasons those guys came back that, I don't know, maybe Chuba would opt out or maybe Tyler Wallace would opt out or anything like that? 
Man, I sure hope not. Uh, I hadn't really thought about that, but that's actually a pretty good point. I mean, you, you kind of see that across the country. That's just kind of the day and age we live in. You know, it's – I hate it. I, I don't think it should be – I don't even think it should be an option, to be honest with you. I mean, I know you guys as well as probably myself. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to let my team my, – my guys down. When we started the thing, might as well go out and finish the things the way I feel. But I don't know. I and mean, that's a good point. I mean, those – you know, especially Thailand. I think Thailand's got a chance to be a, maybe a top two, three-round pick. Chuba, I think surely his draft stock's – you know, gone down quite a bit, especially being a running back. But I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I, I, I hope they don't. I um, hope they finish it out with those guys. But, man, you never know. I mean, the way things are, um, kids these days, you just – you never know what they're thinking. And, you know, we'll see. I guess time will tell. Appreciate it, Whedon. Uh, I know that that wasn't much fun for you to watch on Saturday. I'm sorry, man. Man, I I, I – Really thought long and hard about turning it off in the second quarter, but I had some buddies <laughs> over here. You should have. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, all the wives were down here with, uh, with the kids, and we had, we had the upstairs ourselves. I was like, man, this is too good. We'll just might as well fight through it. And we were up there, you know, having a couple cold pops. And if I had a dog, I probably would have been kicking the dog. But <laughs> it was frustrating, man. It was, a, it was a long night. But it is what it is, man. You know, it's, uh, it's frustrating. i got to find a way to get over the hump. It's brutal when you got a two-week buildup for a game like that, and then it's just boom, 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 right out of the gate. Hey, quickly, you don't have—I mean, you don't have to expand on it at all. But is Gundy okay? I mean, after the off-season that he had, and now obviously this team's not going to live up to the hopes that they had beforehand. The fan base is upset with with some of the conservative play calling. You think he's okay? You know, I do. I do. I, you know, I think there's going to be a bunch of people out there probably calling for his head. I mean, I think just. In particular, his record against OU, I think that's the thing that just ticks people off more than anything. But, you know, I, I tell people this all the time. I mean, you know, when, when you go out, if they were to make a change, and I, I've said this for years, whenever back when things were really rough and, you know, guys were wanting to fire him, I said, you know, one, if you're going to fire him, you better plan on setting your program back because it's very hard to overcome a coaching change. You got a culture change. You got to bring in, it, you got to start over. It's not easy to do. And, um, you know, they've lost two games this year. I know the hype, but, you know, uh, I, I think when Gundy's good and, and things are going good, he's as good as Oklahoma State's going to get. Um, obviously, they owe him a bunch of money, so I, I don't see him doing anything. I'll be honest. I, I think that I think he's I think he's safe. Um, but that chair, that seat he's sitting in, is probably a little bit warmer than than it was three or four weeks ago. But that's just part of getting paid five million dollars a year to coach college football. You lose games, your seat gets hot, and you got to win. So, um, but no, I, I think he's safe. I'd, I'd be shocked if they if they do anything. He's the best quarterback in the history of Oklahoma State football. Easy now. <laughs> hey, it's the, the truth is the truth. But I'm not going to lie to the people. Who's Thanks, even number two? It. Do we even know who a number two is? I mean, geez. I guess Mason Rudolph? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's a discussion for another day, boys. Thanks, Whedon. Sure. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. All right, see you guys. Always fun talking to our man, Brandon Whedon. <sighs> Saturday night could have been very fun for him. I mean – I him, any Oklahoma State fan, this is the game of the year. This is this is what we've been waiting for for a year. This is going to be Oklahoma State's best shot at Oklahoma, and you're six minutes into the football game, and it's like, oh, my God, this is going to be horrible. Got to be frustrating. I, I, I've been informed that some Oklahoma State fans uh, hate listen to this podcast, uh, quite a few of them. So – uh, I'd like to say, guys, it sucks to suck. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I'm sure they got really drunk Saturday night. 
That's one thing that those Oklahoma State people know how to do. They know how to put away some alcohol. They're good at that. I guarantee it. A poor performance on the field does tend to be a catalyst in that regard, Gabe. Indeed, it does, Theodore. Okay, new AP poll is out. OU up to number 14 in the AP poll, and Oklahoma State drops to number 21. Seems about right, but I will say this. OU, there's not 13 teams in the country playing better football than Oklahoma right now. There's, There's not. Now, I know that doesn't change the fact that they've lost the two games, right? Doesn't change the fact, but with the guys they have now, the way they're playing, you can't convince me there's 13 teams playing better than Oklahoma right now, Teddy. You just can't. No. I mean, Oklahoma made the college football playoff last year, and I believe that this team is better than last year's team, maybe by quite some margin. I 100% agree with you. And I think when you factor in the quarterback play and how that opens up off, uh, opens up what they're doing offensively, and then the defense, I mean, it's not even close. It's not even a discussion, right? So let's move on to Call Your Shot. And Call Your Shot's brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra-premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com. Or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is fantastic. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. And we asked for your boldest takeaway from the Bedlam beatdown. And this one comes from Josh Burr at King Nemo 91. Huh. <laughs> King Nemo 91. What, a, what an interesting Twitter handle. Josh says, OU wins out and beats whoever they play in a bowl game by 20. Now, I don't, I don't know about the whole bowl game thing because it'll depend on the matchup and there's a lot of factors in there, but – Teddy, this feels like a team that is and – and I know the game in Morgantown is going to be difficult. I understand that. But this looks like a team that is rolling and is well on its way to going and playing for a sixth straight Big 12 title. I mean, that's just how it looks right now with the way they're playing. Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, they're firing on all cylinders. They've even turned the their special teams around to where those units are covering really good and – um, you know, just playing good all-around football. Now, that doesn't mean that they're totally immune to a slip-up. I mean, we see that all the time, and West Virginia is a good football team. But I'll say this. If they win out, win the Big 12, I think your most likely matchup is Florida or A&M in the Cotton Bowl. I agree. Unless, I don't think they beat either one of those teams by 20. 
yeah, unless yeah, I I don't know about beating I don't know about beating Florida by twenty. That <laughs> offense from Florida is legit, man. It but is. It is. I, I would love to see him play a team like that. You know, we've talked about it. How we want him to, man. We I don't you don't, don't want, want him to play BYU or no. Cincinnati. Those like are lose lose situations. You want to play uh, a peer program or close close to a peer program. Yeah. So A and M or Florida, either one of those. I awesome. Sign me up. Yep. I'm all about it. All right, Ted. Let's move on to National College Football Roundup. That's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, You'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Okay, let's recap a couple of the marquee games from the weekend, and let's start with number nine, Indiana, against number three, Ohio State. Ohio State wins 42-35. Now, it never felt like Ohio State wasn't going to win this game. But I I just have to give Indiana a ton of credit. They were down 35-7 and could have just packed it in and given up, but they kept fighting their asses off, and they made it awfully interesting. It's what we talked about, right? I mean, as long as you got people that are tuned in late, you did a good job, and when they got that fourth, fourth down stop late and got the football back and I know they had to punt it away but they got the ball back with a couple minutes left down a touchdown it's like here we go what's about to happen right here this is crazy I had taken that game off that that game had been relegated to the iPad that's Uh, that's where I that's where I felt that game was I was just keeping an eye I kind of like watching the Freifogel kid and you know Clearly, watching Justin Fields is a lot of fun for me. And I was just I, – I also wanted to see Ohio State's offensive line not pick, be able to pick up the hey, diddle, diddle, three up the middle blitz for the 10th time <laughs> that it worked for Indiana. <laughs> Guys, it's the blitz of the day. It's not supposed to work all damn day. Can we adjust, Ohio State, please? If you don't know what I'm talking about, give it a Google. A lot of people call it hey, diddle, diddle, three up the middle. Some people call it avalanche. It's not that hard to pick up, but you wouldn't know that if you watched Ohio State. My God. But, <laughs> Teddy, no moral victories, right? And that's what Tom Allen said. I mean, he was pissed in the locker room. First of all, that guy gives amazing locker room speeches, win or lose. He's fantastic. But this seems like a performance that Indiana football can build on. And it was, it was weird seeing Justin Fields finally looked like a mortal being, right? Had the three interceptions. It also, it, I think at this point, we can say Ohio State's secondary is not great. They're suspect in the back end. They're giving up 
big plays to a lot of different people. Now, I think Ty Freifogel, I think he's a really talented receiver, right? The amount, the stats this kid is racking up at this point, I mean, it's damn impressive. But Michael Penix is good. I'm not sure he's almost throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns good. I mean, if he didn't throw that pick six, who knows what happens in this game. But, Ted, the biggest takeaway for me, Ohio State is not as good as I thought they were going to be. They are not a dominant football team. And at this point in time, they don't look like a team that can hang with Alabama. Hell, I'm not sure they look like a team that can hang with Clemson. And I know we haven't seen Clemson forever. But Are you sure they're a team that can hang with Northwestern? <laughs> we'll get to that one. We're talking about that one next. I told you watch out for those nerds. Oh, man, but that's I, great. I think – and maybe this is a game that Ohio State needed, right? Maybe this is you know, kind of fuel for Ryan Day to get after these guys in the meeting rooms and on the practice field, and, and maybe they roll everyone the rest of the way. But they, they just don't look like the juggernaut I thought they were going to be. I thought this was going to be the best team in college football. I picked them to win the national championship before the season. Now, that was before shit got crazy. But yeah. I, I just don't see it, especially defensively, especially in the back end. Yeah, I agree, but I will say this. They are, they're not on the same time scale that the rest of the country is. Right. And this is still incredibly early for them. They've still been battling through virus issues. They've uh, had games that have been postponed. So it's, they're, they're in a weird spot. And we were in a weird spot, too, whenever we first started out. Now, are they going to roll through it, push through, and start playing – uh, the football that we expected, we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm not going to just totally bail on Ohio State just yet. Um, you know, I I think they're a really talented football team, and I think they're coached really well. That usually equals a really good football team. So I think that they will bounce back. And, I mean, they won the football game, right? I mean – it says something whenever you play really poorly and you still beat the number 19 in the country. You know, a lot of teams can't do that whenever you play bad. So the fact they came out of there with a W is, is a bonus for them. I'll tell you what I was fascinated with about this game. Plank told me that Ohio State had some virus issues and the Big Ten didn't think they were being – forthcoming with their contact tracing issues the big 10 was trying to confiscate the players phones before the game to see where they had been and who they had been around is that crazy or what yeah you can't do that in america yeah that's <laughs> oh man i was that's, like uh that's not allowed I'm I'm shocked, and I haven't seen that anywhere else. But I guess Bobby Carpenter said that with Plank on their show. I'm like, I'm surprised that's not like a massive story right now. And maybe it is. I just haven't haven't well, seen it anywhere. It's but. gonna be when this gets aggregated. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, that I thought that was that was fascinating. And you that's hit the nuts. Yeah, that's that's nuts. And 
you nailed the um, the post game speech there by Indiana's coach. I loved that. My favorite part was the last line, whenever he said, "I love this football team, even the bad parts." I thought that was I thought that was awesome. And I, you can I'm not tell gonna those lie. Guys, yeah, Tom Allen makes me want to play football again. Like, I know. I, I, it, I know, and I'm, I I know I'm 30, and uh, my my time is done. But like, if he came into my living room and was like, "Hey, I need you to do this. I need you to come back." Like, a speech from that guy just might do it because he he's got the cheesy, you know, Leo thing, love each other, and it remind me of the, <laughs> the stuff from Semi Pro with Will Ferrell. <laughs> you know, everybody love everybody, but <laughs> it, it just works. I mean, it seems genuine, and I, I'm i not sure if it's sustainable at Indiana, but I think it just might be with that guy. I, I, I'm incredibly impressed with him. Yeah. I, I, I really am. It's fun whenever you get a group of guys that are hungry, that want to win, that will do anything that it takes – and have been passed over by everyone else. There's no ego in that locker room. There's no one sitting there saying, I'm just taking my three years here doing my thing until I go to the NFL. You don't have any of that. That's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I'll I'll be rooting for Indiana moving forward. Uh, There's no doubt about it. All right, Ted, let's move on to Wisconsin Northwestern. Number 10, Wisconsin goes to Evanson and gets dropped. 17-7, 17-7, and we said that this one was going to be an old-school Big Ten game, and boy, did we nail that. Other than the first couple of drives, this one was boring, which is kind of exactly what we expected from these two teams. Now, the Northwestern defense, also known now as the fighting Reese Davises, thanks to Joey Galloway, uh, Yeah, Pat Fitzgerald and that team appeared to use that as fuel for Reese Davis. I was like, well, maybe Reese Davis was a great athlete, and we just didn't know it. He's great at his job. I know that. But they were – that Northwestern defense was dominant. Forced five turnovers. They made Graham Mertz look like a freshman QB. Uh, they, They were forcing him into bad decisions. He threw three interceptions. He looked confused. He looked uncomfortable. And even though Northwestern couldn't run the ball at all offensively, Peyton Ramsey was just solid enough in the passing game, and they didn't need much offensively with the way that defense was playing. So Northwestern, yes, Northwestern, now in full control of the Big Ten West, as we all predicted. Amazing. Now, I'll tell you something that's interesting. So, I did not have cable growing up for the majority of my childhood. And we were not, our family was not big sports fans. We play, everyone played sports nonstop, but we didn't watch very many sports. And I happened to have a game on one time, and I think it was Northwestern playing uh, Notre Dame. And I was probably like sixth or seventh grade. And Pat Fitzgerald was playing for Northwestern. 
and they did a feature on him during that broadcast, and he played like a great game. So, like, I was, for a very small period of my life, was like the biggest Pat Fitzgerald fan of all time, whenever he was a linebacker at Northwestern. He was your linebacker inspiration? Uh, one of them. Chris Spielman was my linebacker inspiration. Yeah. But one of them. And I think it's so awesome that what he's done there, man. It's, that's pretty cool. He, I, I think that he has gotten, I mean, because it, it, it's hard to recruit at Northwestern, right? You know, it's hard for kids to qualify academically. Like, there's no doubt about it. That's great academic school. Everyone knows that. But I, I'm not sure anyone else could do what he's done there. I, I, I mean, they've played for the Big Ten title. And it's crazy. It looks like they're going to play for the Big Ten title this year. I mean, they, they, I don't think anyone's going to beat them. It would take a, it would take a pretty shocking, like, turnaround for them to, like, because they, I mean, like, Wisconsin's not a bad football team. It's like, you know, they just, they made them look bad by the way that they played. But, I mean, I don't know. Five and oh, right now. They've in got, the driver's seat, Michigan State, Minnesota, Illinois left. They should win all three of those games pretty convincingly. Yeah. Wrap it around. Everyone wrap your heads around it, people. Northwestern's going undefeated, and they're going to play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. And I think that game's going to be close. And As we're all going right to be now, like. A very beatable Ohio State team for Northwestern. Exactly. Let's get weird, Big Ten. Just like everyone picked, Northwestern undefeated college football playoff, right? The fighting Reese Davises. (laughs) I love it. Joey Galloway, he should try to trademark that. He really should. All right, Ted, uh, one more game. Kansas State goes to Ames and gets absolutely destroyed. 45-0. Iowa State looked good and this was about as thorough of an ass kicking as you will see that in the big 12 conference that doesn't involve kansas i mean this this game wasn't even close and it it was weird kansas state they get stuffed on fourth and goal on their first drive first drive of the game and it was like everything crumbled after that they looked good on the first drive they looked great and I don't, but everything went wrong from there. Brees Hall continues to be that dude. Uh, I think he is undoubtedly Big 12 Player of the Year. I think he deserves a little Heisman buzz, frankly, with what he is doing for that football team. But the big difference in this game for Iowa State was they got the good version of Brock Purdy. Yep. I mean, he played well. He was extremely efficient in the passing game. Uh, even had some big plays in the vertical passing game, which they have definitely lacked this season. And then used his athleticism in the cold QB run game. You know, picked up some first downs with his legs scrambling. And on the flip side, Will Howard really, really struggled. Played so poorly that he got yanked there in what was it, the second quarter. I think it was Mm -hmm. Kansas state had 149 yards 
of total offense. And when you look at it, Iowa State, they've got a tough end of the year, right? They've got Texas and West Virginia left on their schedule. But they look like a team that is going to be playing for the Big 12 championship in Arlington. I, I, they look really, really good. And that defense has settled in a little bit too, Ted. That scheme is rolling again yeah. for Haycock. Did, how much of that game did you watch? Did you get to watch much? I pretty much I, – I think I watched every snap until about the middle of the third, and I was like, okay. Uh, there was back, – like backups were in the game, and I was like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, we had it on up in the booth, and uh, Mike Rose has – he's playing again. He kind of had a quiet early part of the season. That dude was all over the place for Iowa State. And Will they, Howard threw it right to him. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, man, he was – I mean, he was flying around. He had a couple of just massive tackles where he was blowing guys up. Um, once again, that Iowa State pass rush was really good with Jaquan Bailey and uh, uh, what's the McDonald kid on the other side. They've got good players at all three levels. And when they get Brock Purdy that plays well, this is what you get. So – I don't know. I mean, it's too early to talk about it, but it has to be discussed at least right now, briefly. Who would you rather play in a Big 12 championship, Iowa Texas. State or Texas? Texas. Because we, we know, even with the way that Oklahoma's defense is playing right now, we know what stresses them defensively. Shifts, motions, big personnel groupings. Iowa State's got that. Texas, they don't really do that shit. Right? And we already saw – and listen, Brees Hall scares me more than anybody Texas has got. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I don't think it's any – I don't think it's even close. Yeah, Xavier Hutchinson's really started – he's come along as the yep. their go-to wide receiver. I mean, it's all about Brock Purdy, though. The tight ends like, – if you get good Brock Purdy, Iowa State can play with anyone. If you get bad Brock Purdy, they they look very, very vanilla and very mediocre and are in danger of losing pretty much any football game they play in. It's amazing how much difference a quarterback makes. And also, I just think, you know, for a young quarterback like Rattler, like, I would much rather play against Texas's defensive scheme than Iowa State's. Yeah. Right? I mean, even though I think Texas has figured some things out defensively and playing agreed. way better, I I don't I mean, I I think Iowa State is a better football team. I think they're coached better. I think they're more sound. I think they run the ball better defensively. They tackle well. I think they're a better football team, but I think Texas is a more dangerous football team. If that makes any sense, it really doesn't, but Te- Texas, know. Texas has more talent. For what, whatever talent means, like, I, Texas has guys that look better in jerseys. If that makes sense, like they look the yeah. part. But I would, I would much rather for for what we've seen so far, I'd much rather OU play Texas again than Iowa State. Now, I with the way that OU's playing, bring on both of them. Doesn't matter. I think OU's playing yeah. the best football in the conference, but. Iowa State, if, like you said, if they get good Brock Purdy, that's a good Dangerous. football team. 
I've just, I've seen some, I mean, bad, 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 bad Texas teams show up and look like an NFL football team for one game against Oklahoma. I've seen that too many times. Yeah. Happened my senior year. Case McCoy. Look like mean, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Throwing dimes like off his back foot all day long down the sideline. I mean, I've seen that too many times to, to feel co- ever feel comfortable playing Texas. But, I mean, I do think – I agree with that. Iowa State uh, is clearly the better football team. But I, if you get good Brock Purdy. I'd rather – I'd rather him play Iowa State, honestly, because I think – Number one, Iowa State deserves it, right? Now I know they've yeah. got the two games left. Not an easy road for them, but I, I think Iowa State, when you look around the conference, like when you talk about beginning to end, they've played the best football in this conference. Yeah. Now Oklahoma is, in my opinion, is playing better football than them now, and they got better players. They got more talent, more explosive offensively, like all those things, but I also just love Brees Hall. I don't know if you've been able that to tell that about about me. I'm a, I'm a big Brees Hall guy. There's a lot to love. He's he's a really good football player, man. All right, Ted. Few pieces of college football news. Dabo, I love this. I love this story so much. <laughs> Dabo said the Florida State administration used COVID nineteen as an excuse to cancel their game this weekend, postpone whatever the hell you want to call it. He said that Clemson. Followed all the proper protocols, but they did have a kid that traveled that ended up testing positive. And Clemson, I guess they offered to test again and play Sunday or even Monday. And Florida State's administration said, nah, we're good. But th- this whole thing, it, it made me laugh. It it took us till November, the very the, right before Thanksgiving, right? for a coach to uh, call out another team and say that they were hiding behind the coronavirus. <laughs> I, a small part of me believes that that's exactly what Florida State is doing yeah. because they would have gotten worked in that football game. But this is, this is about as Dabo Sweeney. He's gone full Dabo here, Teddy, and I know you love that, man. No, I like that, but here's my thing. I, I, I agree that I think Florida State dodged him. And I think that they should have done everything in their power to pull off that football game. There was ways to pull it off and make sure it was safe by testing everyone again, by maybe delaying it a day, whatever, two days if they needed to. There were ways to pull that football game off safely. But what in the hell is Clemson doing letting a guy that has all of the symptoms – hang around the football team, fly with the team whenever he's got all the symptoms, and he's not a starter. He's a backup. That's what are they doing? I, I didn't understand that, and I, I understand what Dabo is saying. He was like, well, he kept testing negative. He tested negative. It's like, I don't fucking care, Dabo. He's over here with, like, you know the posters that say, hey, these are the COVID-19 symptoms? The kid had all of them. Check, like, check, check. How about we just be a little overly cautious? He's like, no, you got to believe in the testing. Do you believe in the testing or not? It's like, it doesn't matter. The kid had all the symptoms. Be safe. He's a backup alignment. Who cares? I'll answer that for you, Dabo. 
No, I don't believe in the testing, okay? <laughs> I don't think it's accurate. I don't think it's reliable. No, I don't. There, there's your answer. Unbelievable. But it was hilarious, and the reaction to it was hilarious. I was just – it just made me laugh, <laughs> so I wanted to talk about it. Now, Pump I wonder if they're going to make that game. Hey, did you see – Juicy said that they're not coming there. He was like, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll come if you pay for our travel. It cost them like 300 grand to yeah, get there. 300 grand to get down there. Oh, I would be – do you know how pissed off I would be if I practiced all week for someone, got my ass on the plane, flew down there, tested, went through all the crap that you have to go through now, and they're like, ah, now nah, we're good. No, you guys go on home. We're good, not playing it. I would be furious. I'm Whoever, telling you right Someone's going to get the wrath of Clemson next week. I'm telling you right now, I don't know if they'll end up playing, that making up this game next year. Next year, like, I don't know when Clemson and Florida State are playing. I don't even know if they are playing. I assume they'll be <laughs> playing. But I don't care what the line is. I'm laying the points for Clemson. I hope they play it this year, and I hope Clemson tries to score 200 points on them. That would be so amazing. Okay, <laughs> another game that has been canceled, the Apple Cup, Washington-Washington State, canceled because Wazoo, well, they've got the Rona. And a little interesting wrinkle to this one, uh, apparently Washington has reached out to BYU Ooh. to play this weekend. Now – it doesn't sound like BYU's too high on that idea, but they That's should do it, right? Lame. Come on, you got to do it. They have to. If they think like, oh, I don't know, guys, we're undefeated. You know, we just beat uh, Northern Alabama. Is that who they played? Someone like that? Yeah. They scored Sorry. like 60-something. Yeah. Sorry. that you. If you think that you're just going to ride that 8-0 record or whatever it is into the college football playoff, no, that's not going to happen. Sorry. You better go play someone legit and keep trying to stack all the wins you can. You, They need to schedule a game every weekend, if possible, against anyone that's possible. They need to be like 14-0 <laughs> by the end of the season to try and make the college football playoff. It's it's interesting you bring up the college football playoff, Teddy, because the first CFP rankings come out Tuesday. Now, you, let, let's go ahead and take a guess at who the top four are going to be. I think it's definitely going to be – number one is definitely going to be Bama. I think they look like the most talented and complete football team in the country. Number two is where I think it gets interesting. I think it's going to be Notre Dame. I think that with the way that Ohio State played against Indiana, how close that game got, I think Notre Dame, they, they've got the best win, right, in all of college football when you talk about their win over Clemson. And I know Clemson was miss, missing Trevor Lawrence and missing several guys on defense. I understand that. But I think it'll be Bama at one, Notre Dame at two, and at three – I'm expecting it to be Ohio State. I think they'll be ahead of Clemson because, you know, I do think the committee will factor in that Trevor Lawrence wasn't in that Notre Dame game. They did, Clemson did go on the road without their starting quarterback, and they were missing a bunch of guys on defense, and they lost in overtime. 
Like, that's not the worst loss on planet Earth. They still are incredibly talented. So I think it'll be Bama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Clemson. And then it gets interesting because they always put up five and six, right, when the rankings come out. And I know A&M beat Florida, but I feel like Florida's going to be five. And I feel like A&M's going to be six. And I feel like Texas A&M fans are going to lose their shit, and it's going to be hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah that would definitely give us something to talk about uh i think i agree but i do think a&m will be ahead of florida but i i mean i could see that going either way i'm 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 very solid in every slot except for the five six slot i think it could honestly go either way but i lean towards a&m being there yeah the head to head the, but I hope they're not. I, that, I <laughs> just, just want the chaos. Yeah, I just, I, I just want the fan reaction from, from our friends down in College Station. I, I really just want to see that, but uh, you're probably right. It, and it would make a lot of sense, right? A&M beat Florida. They both have one loss. Makes perfect T- sense. Tell me if you uh, agree or disagree that Oklahoma should be number seven. Oh man! If we're we're talking about, I think okay, the best teams in the country, they're better than everyone ahead of them until you get to uh, Florida. I'll entertain Cincinnati, but I will not entertain Oregon, Miami, BYU, Northwestern, Indiana, or Georgia. I now. Is this a question like where I think they will be ranked or where I think they should be ranked? Where do you think they should be? I think they should be. I don't think they will be there, but that's where I think they are as far as how good of a football team they are. Throw records out, throw whatever whatever you want to discuss. I think that's where they go in the pecking order right now in college football. I think that with what we've seen, and I know that Cincinnati, they didn't, you know, it was an impressive win, I guess, against UCF, even though they went on the road and beat a pretty decent football team. But I would put them at eight, right behind Cincinnati, okay. probably. Because we do – and I know that they've got Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins back, and the defense is playing much better, and Spencer Rattler settled in. Like, But they did lose to Iowa State, and they did lose to Kansas State. And that Kansas State loss continues to look – Worse and worse and worse. So I I think you have to reward Cincinnati. And they got guys. Like, they got some dudes on that team. They do. So I guess I'm talking about like a – it would be like a power ranking, I guess, is how you would do it. I would put them ahead of Cincinnati. I think Oklahoma's a better football team than them. I I think if – and I I know this isn't the only way to do it, but like – if Cincinnati and Oklahoma played on a neutral field, like what? OU would be favored by double digits, probably. Yep. At this point in time, I mean, maybe that's too much, but uh, I definitely think it'd be, you know, in the nine and a half range. Yeah. So it would be, but I mean, I'm, I just, I just say that because I think you know they're not going to be. I think what are they? Fourteen in the AP. They're not going to be anywhere close to that. But that's that's where I think their football team actually is as far as who's the best teams out there. I think that's where I would put them. I could see BYU and this, 
in this first CFP rankings, I could see BYU being a lot lower. I, I could see them being the team we talk about going, damn, they're kind of low. Like, they got a long way to go. Because, I mean, they just haven't played anybody. Do they call Washington on Tuesday night after the rankings come out and be like, hey, about that game? 100% they will. They should. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments. Let's start with our winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who you got? Winner of the weekend. Man, winner of the weekend. This is an easy pick for me, and it's a fun pick for me. This is fantastic whenever you get to see stuff like this happen. How about P.J. Walker? Gets a start for the Carolina Panthers and goes in, gets a nice win over the, the Lions, 20-0. to Had a great football game, was clean, uh, 24-34, 258, and a touchdown. Awesome, awesome, awesome to see him start a football game and get a win as an NFL quarterback. That made my day. And once again, I love Matt Rule. I I miss him so much at Baylor. I got to interview him all the time on my SiriusXM show, and he he was just the best. And how about him basically telling Teddy Bridgewater, like, hey, man, you're not healthy enough to play. Him being like, with the history with that knee – you're 80% like, I, I can't put you out there. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that to you. I, I thought that that was – I mean, that's just Matt Rule, right? And P.J. Walker played for him at Temple. Yeah. So, he's protecting one guy, giving one of his other guys, right, a chance to showcase what he can do. And I, I know the Panthers' record isn't great, but they're a tough out, boy. I mean, that's a, that's a tough, well-coached football team. And – uh, I would be very excited if I was a Carolina Panthers fan, which I'm not. I'm a Matt Rule guy, so I'm I'm cheering for him. Did Christian McCaffrey play in that one? No. And imagine what would happen if the guy they pay all of their money to would show up for a football game once in a blue moon. He's got an AC sprain, and he's going to miss, I don't know, what, two, three weeks with it? It's pathetic for a guy that makes as much money as he does. He'll huh. come back. He's going to be great next week. He will be fantastic, but he'll have an ingrown toe, toenail, and he'll miss the final however many games of the season. It's amazing. Paper mache McCaffrey is what he is. <laughs> oh, I love how crazy fantasy football makes people. All right, Dad, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Uh I hated to see this, and I hated seeing him on the sideline afterwards. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling for Green Bay. Um, They played terrible down the stretch, okay? I'll say that about Green Bay, but they find a way. They go right down the field. They force it overtime against the Colts, and they they win the toss. They get the football. They're going to go down and punch it in. They started moving the football. They've got Aaron Rodgers couple of nice plays to start off the drive 
and uh, Valdez Scantling fumbles the ball deep in their own territory. It's over. Kick the field goal. Um, that's it. And to see him on the sideline, you play an entire game, more than an entire game. You go to overtime, and it's not just his fault. A bunch of guys made a ton of mistakes leading up to that. Hell, Aaron Rodgers made mistakes leading up to that. But you feel like it all comes down to that, and you just blew it for everyone. It's what a horrible feeling. Yeah. Ball security is job security. No, and it's like the the ball barely got punched at. Like it, it was it was one of the weaker fumbles I'd ever seen. I was like, come on, man. Yeah, it was yeah, it was pretty bad. But the reason I feel for him so bad, have you ever had a, a play like that in a game, Gabe? I don't think so. But then I mean it's been a long time since I was playing a skill position, right? I mean, when you mess up at the offensive line, like some bad things can happen, but it, it's it's usually not like fumbling the ball. That's some bad snaps, but I don't think I've ever done anything that tragic. I have. Seventh grade. Oh, no. Stillwell Indians were winning. It's the last game of the year we're undefeated. Oh, no. I'm – we're, we're, it's late in the game. We're just running the football, running the clock down. And we're up by like four or something like that. I don't, I don't remember the exact score. But I take the handoff. I'm in a pile of bodies. I'm just pushing forward. And I, I end up with like my back turned to the line of scrimmage. And I'm just like pushing backwards. And a guy comes up from the other side and just grabs the ball away from me and goes and scores a touchdown. <laughs> It was like, like what? What are you doing? How does that happen? It was pathetic. I still think about it all the time. Clearly, it's embarrassing. It was embarrassing. It was. It was so bad that my friends gave me shit about that for years. I bet you they still do. It's almost like I thought he was on our team and I was going to hand it to him and let him like run it into round or something. No, it was was horrible. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm, my apologies to 13-year-old Teddy. I can still remember the guy's face that came and grabbed the, the ball. He had inside his helmet, he had on some of those like Chris Sabo, uh, the athletic glasses, you know? No. <laughs> oh, like the kicker from the Colts? Like Rodrigo? Yes. Exactly like that. Exactly like that. You let a goggles nerd steal the ball from you and lose the game. And you, oh. I did. Pretty pathetic. Yeah, no I'm wonder. I'm lucky you, they ever played me on offense again. I'm, I'm lucky. No wonder. Oh, man. That's a scarring experience. I'm sorry. Pretty, no wonder you still remember it. <laughs> pretty devastating. <laughs> Clearly. All right, my winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and the cable boxes so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone, and my internet has been flawless. For for the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880. 
or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, Ted, I thought about going with Alex Smith because it was cool to see him get a, get a win with Washington after everything that guy has gone through with that leg. But the winner of the weekend, it, it's got to be Taysom Hill. Right. Yeah. We all thought we all thought it was gonna be Jameis, but Sean Payton, he gives Taysom Hill all the first team reps during the week of practice. And Taysom Hill didn't disappoint. He was really efficient throwing the football, had a couple of really nice throws on the move, and of course, did some damage with his legs, some cold QB runs, some scrambles. He actually fumbled on his best run of the day, but for whatever reason, this guy gets a lot of shit from people. And he, he, I, I was teammates with him only, only for a little bit, but he was a great dude, practiced his ass off, you know, lifted hard, did everything right. Like He's everything you want in a teammate, and he's just a football player, right? But for whatever reason, there's like this contingent of people that want to see him fail. I, I'm not entirely sure why. Seems like he has a lot of haters, but he certainly silenced some of those haters on Sunday. And plus, that New Orleans defense, I mean, they they were completely dominant in that football game. The, the Falcons didn't have a chance, but my goodness. Good for you, Taysom Hill. Good job. Good for you. And to all the Taysom Hill haters, sorry. Well... I agree with everything you've said, but I will tell you this. He has acquired an entirely larger group of haters after today, because let me tell you what is happening right now on my cell phone in my fantasy league group text. It is incendiary that a starting quarterback can be slotted as a tight end and get the quarterback points <laughs> i saw is, i saw that what 24 points or 24, so there's some angry folks out there right now about that whole thing but hey a great pickup for those that were ahead of the game and swooped in and and made the play good for you Taysom hill nice performance gonna be interesting to see him play the next couple right because apparently every rib and drew Drew Brees' body is broken. Goodness. I feel I feel like the number just keeps getting bigger, right? It was like five and then it was seven, and now it's like up to all the way to eleven, I think. I was kind of shocked by that because I saw that he went to get a second opinion and you know they confirmed it. And obviously I don't know how to read x-rays, but it should be pretty straightforward, like if the ribs are broken or not, shouldn't it? Hey, that thing's a crack, right? <laughs> yeah, I want a second opinion. No, but they're cracked. No, no, no. I need a second opinion. No, but you see this line? That means it's it's cracked. It's fractured. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like getting a second opinion on a flat tire. Well, you know, let me go make sure this thing's flat. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. But, I, hey, but Taysom Hill, awesome job. Yeah. All right, my loser of the weekend, and, and I talked a little bit about it earlier, but I thought about going with Cincinnati, and I, I know they won, but I don't think they beat UCF the way they needed 
two to be seriously considered for a spot in the playoff. And that seems like the goal for Luke Fickle and that football team. And I know that running back mates, some gamblers, very, very angry with what he did on that last play. But I also thought about going with Joe Burrow, but that just made me sad. And I'd like to welcome Joe to the Torn ACL Club. Welcome, brother. Uh, We're glad to have you. Not really, because he was a lot of fun to watch. But maybe that'll force the Bengals to actually get some offensive linemen. But the loser of the weekend, it has to be Nebraska. Because getting destroyed by Ohio State is one thing. But Nebraska got their asses kicked at home by Illinois. Illinois. 41-23. The Illini come into Lincoln and destroy the black shirts. And they wore black shirts. They wore black jerseys in this game. You can't wear the all-black Nebraska and get whooped by Illinois. Uh, And Oh, this is a reminder that Nebraska extended Scott Frost last year for no one really knows why. Thanks, okay? So it, it doesn't appear to be working, which... I think we all thought that Scott Frost was going to turn that thing around, but it looks like rock bottom for that program on Saturday. And I know they turned the ball over five times. Like, I get it, but it's Illinois. It is Illinois. And they have no quarterback to be excited about at Nebraska. They, I, I don't know, man. It, it – I know it makes a lot of people sad. It makes a lot of OU fans sad to see Nebraska, to see this program this bad. But, I mean, they're awful. They are a bad football team. And I'm not sure there's much to be excited about at all. And the worst part about it, (laughs) did you see what Illinois football's Twitter put out there? No. They tweeted, good game, Nebraska. Thanks for bringing Big Ten football back. Oh, well, I mean, they're getting trolled by Illinois, Teddy. This is Nebraska. I get that. That's, that's horrible. But why would anyone like make fun of Nebraska for wanting to come back and play football? I mean, isn't everyone happy that that's happening right now? I mean, I think everyone's happening, happy that that's happening right now, except for Nebraska fans. Right. Here's the kind of the thing that if you're going to suck, why not suck doing what you were great at before? Just be bad and run the triple option. Oh, God, no. Please, no. High formation, triple option. I mean, come on. You're not doing anything else. You're getting hammered by Illinois. They're terrible. So... I don't know, man. I don't know what they're going to do there. Scott Frost, the reason they probably extended him is he was probably like, listen, guys, this was fun and all. I thought it was going to be a little bit different. It was nice to be back in Lincoln, but I'm on the next thing out of town. And uh, they're like, please don't go. I don't know, man. I don't know where Nebraska goes. It's crazy to imagine that that team won, what, three national championships out of four years and were – basically unbeatable for like seven or eight years. We're unbelievable football team. I know it's been a long time since then, 
But Nebraska, and, and I know that Nebraska is not a talent-rich state. Like, I get all the things working against them. But holy shit, it's Illinois. I, <sighs> Illinois has got a lot working against them too, right? <laughs> yeah, like everything. Oh, I uh, mean, let's. If someone can do it at Iowa State or Baylor or, you know, throw any other Northwestern, if someone can do it at those schools, it can be done at Nebraska. And you cannot convince me otherwise. I know it's in the middle of a cornfield. I get that. But so is Ames. When's the last time anyone took a trip to Ames or Iowa City? Okay. That is no metropolis either. But there is some good football players in Iowa. They should be able to win more games than they're, doing, than they're winning. Definitely agree. All right, let's move on to Wet the Beak. Wet the Beak, I'm just depressed about Nebraska. I, I just, I did, it, it was just sad watching them lose to Illinois. I was like, man, this is, this is rough. All right, Wet the Beak's brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. Hey, turned out garbage disposal in the pantry, in the sink, didn't work. First time I tried to use it this week. And I was like, hey guys, doesn't work. Tim was like, I'll be there Monday. We got someone to come and fix it. I was like, perfect. Yeah, I tried to use the garbage disposal. What's up? I'm manly. Yeah, I put things in the garbage disposal. There's nothing wrong with that. I use it daily. Tim has also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. And that is why you don't fast forward through the ads because you never know when gold will strike, Teddy. Oh, right. I love it. We've got Monday night football. We've got a good one, right? The 6-3 and three Los Angeles Rams travel to Tampa, which, by the way, is now the home of the Raptors because apparently Canada hates basketball. They hate the NBA, so that's I, – I, I don't know. That's, that's Expansion? Cool. Is the same thing going to happen there that happened – well, I guess we, the, it was an expansion, but uh, Tampa going to end up with the team, you think? We'll see. I don't know if I, – I don't think the, the coronavirus is quite like Hurricane Katrina, but uh, I, we'll see. Well, I mean, all it really did was show a – a, a city that they could do it and that it would be awesome and be a lot of fun and started hunting around and, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm with you. Well, Rams going to Tampa, take on Tom Brady and the bucks. And I, I'm excited. I mean, I'm pretty excited to watch Brady and all those offensive weapons. Gronk Antonio Brown starting to look pretty good. Mike Evans is still an absolute monster. Godwin is a monster. You got all those weapons going against that Rams defense, especially that Rams secondary led by Jalen Ramsey. That, that's one of the best pass defenses in the league. I looked it up. They've got eight interceptions, and they've only given up nine passing touchdowns. 
So, I mean, this is, this is a group that's playing really well in the back end, pretty salty in the back end. And it, it helps when you've got guys like Leonard Floyd and Michael Brockers and, oh, yeah, that Aaron Donald guy. You, you, you got those guys rushing the quarterback for you. So that, that makes your life a little easier on the back end. But Tampa's offense on L.A.'s defense should be fun to watch. Now, on the flip side, Jared Goff, he has just been – I mean, he's been up and down. He's been good at times. He's been really disappointing at times. I, I, I really don't know what his deal is. I don't know if he's good or not. I'm starting to lean towards he's not very good, but I'm not really sure what to expect from him against Tampa's defense, who it has been well-established. That's a good group. But I wouldn't be surprised if they heat Goff up a little bit in this game, speed up his processing a little bit, maybe try to eliminate some of those boots that Sean McVay's known for, but the Bucks are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And I thought that that number was kind of large. Now, I know it's Tom Brady, primetime, Monday night football. He's going to want to do the damn thing. But four-and-a-half, I, I, I could see this being a field goal game because even though Goff may not be playing at an extremely high level, like Sean McVay is still brilliant offensively, and I, I think they'll be able to score some points. So – I like the Bucks to win, Teddy, but if if I had to lay some cheddar on it, give me I'll, – I'll take the points. I'll take the points and roll with the Rams, but I, I do think the Bucks will win. It could be a smart choice by you. I think I'd lay the four and a half and take Tampa Bay, uh, but I'll tell you what worries me. If you watch this Rams defense play Seattle a week ago, oh, my oh, God. Oh, mama. <laughs> Russell Wilson was horrible because he had no time. I don't know how many times he got sacked. I don't know how many times he got hit, but it was essentially every play. It was brutal. And if they can't protect Tom Brady, buddy, there's one thing about Tom. Whenever he's got protection, he'll turn your lights out. But if you get to him, he feels that pressure, and he thinks about it, and he worries about it, and he does not keep his eyes downfield very good at all. He's one of, like, for his stature on the all-time list, he is the worst of all of them when it comes to dealing with pressure. Him and Eli. Him and Eli. I know Eli that Eli. Manning. I know Eli's not anywhere near where Tom Brady is, but um, there's going to be a moment in this game where Aaron Donald swims a guard, splits a slide to him. He's going to go right between a guard and the center. And Tom Brady's going to see him, and he's just going to lay on the ground. I'm telling you. Full fetal. It is is going to happen, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I kind of felt like doing the same thing when I had to play against Aaron Donald in the senior bowl. I was just like, oh, please don't kill me. Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. I mean, me. He, if he gets a shot on him, he'll try and kill him, man. He's, he is a killer. That dude is unbelievable. But that worries me, man. If, if they get to Tom early on, he will be affected for the entire game. And that was whenever he's young. I mean, it's even worse now that he's 40-something years old. Yeah, and it's not like they're going to move the pocket. <laughs> so we'll 
Yeah. We'll see. Could be interesting. So you're laying the four and a half. You're taking the Bucks. I'll take the Rams. And you made me feel better about it, right? Because after that Seahawks game, it, it was so bad that a lot of people were like, well, I wonder if Russell Wilson's hurt. And that's when you yeah. know that the defense is getting after a guy. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that game was crazy. And but you know, and everyone thought that, but what he do? He bounced back and looked really good against the Cardinals. Yeah. All right, Ted, let's finish up with everybody's favorite segment, and that's keeping it local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. It's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools reopened in the fall, parents wanted to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. That's why they sent their children to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A 1-1 iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. Steven Adams got traded to the Pelicans. And Teddy, we are all sad. We are also now, the trade is complicated because it involves four teams. But the Thunder, they, they get a few players, including George Hill and a 2023 lottery protected first rounder from Denver and a second round and two second round picks. But this sucks. Everyone loves Steven Adams. Now, I, I understand he was making too much money. I understand this is the best thing for the franchise, but it still sucks. Yeah. I, I big Steven Adams fan. I liked, liked watching him grow up and being that guy coming from pit with the, uh, high and tight haircut and no tattoos. And during road games being like, that looks like a new tattoo. That looks like a new tattoo and watching it grow week by week with the hair. And uh, he turned into the, the guy that we all love. So it is going to be frustrating now that, that he's gone. My, my biggest disappointment, other than the fact that we ever even had him on the team because we should have never traded James Harden, but um, my biggest problem with Adams is that I never really saw him fight someone. I wanted to see him fight someone the entire time he was here. That would have been nice. awesome. It would have been awesome and terrifying all at the same time, but I'm with you. And I, I think that the reason so many people loved him, right, was you knew, like, it, it always seemed like he was hurt, <laughs> but he he played he played hard no matter what. And... I think people around here related to that, right? That the guy just brought it. He just played with a ton of effort and he didn't develop the skill set that maybe we were hoping him to develop, but he he just played hard, man. He played hard and I I mean, other than like, you know, Durant and Westbrook, he was probably the most loved guy around here, don't you think? Yeah. He I was. mean, Harden seems a really long time ago, but people just loved him. No, because he was always always in a good mood, always a fun interview. It's weird to see a guy that looks like him and talks the way he does 
it's just it's endearing and i don't know my favorite thing that he brought is the time he was holding the ball and threw the pass really hard and they attached it to the the gif of lebron getting hit in the head with the basketball (laughs) (laughs) that's your favorite (laughs) that's my Uh, favorite steven adams thing i what are they so have you seen that mural of him downtown yes those things stay even though people leave, right? Like, well, you know what I mean? Well, here's the thing you can paint a new mural, but I, I'd hold off for a while the way that we're trading people and going through the roster. I, just leave it there for a little while until we find a new franchise type of guy that we think is going to hang around for a while. Or leave it. I think people would be fine if you left it. Yeah, definitely should leave it. It's pretty cool, um, and people. I've I've said it a bunch, but people loved him. You, you mentioned guys not sticking around. The Thunder traded Kelly Oubre, and I'm not gonna lie. This one doesn't make a ton of sense to me. They only got a 2021 second rounder from Denver and a 2021 first round pick from the Warriors that is top 20 protected, which means. It is only a first-round pick if the Warriors finish with one of the 10 worst records in the league. So it becomes a second-rounder if the Warriors... Ten best records. Correct. Sorry. Did I, I think I said that wrong. Mm-hmm. So One of the 10 best records, yeah. If it becomes a second-round pick if the Warriors finish with... I, no, I'm pretty sure if, if, the, if they finish with one of the 20 best records in the NBA. Right? Isn't that how it works? Well, if That's it's when t- it can... Conv- for them to be later than 20, they have to finish in the top 10. With okay, I see, okay, yes. We're say, I think we're saying the same thing, but yes, we're saying the same thing. Yeah. So, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I just... Uh, I... They got a trade exception in it, but it seems like trade exceptions very rarely get used. And Ubre's on an expire he's on an expiring contract. He would have been motivated to play well with free agency coming up, but <laughs> there's your problem. They don't I, I guess want they anyone that really they really don't want to win games. Yeah, so that's your problem. They don't want anyone that may show any type of motivation whatsoever. It seems like they could have moved him at the deadline for more than that, but you know what? Whatever. At this point, I think we're numb. Just let us know when the season starts. Let us know who's on the yeah. roster. Boy, that I mean, that roster is going to be fascinating, which, by the way, is coming up pretty quickly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, the season starts in a month. Poor coach isn't even going to know who his guys are. It's crazy. And on that note, episode 62 in the, bu- in the books. Now, okay, so we haven't talked about this, but we're going to record Tuesday instead of Wednesday and put it out Wednesday. That's up to you. I'm fine to record it Wednesday, but if you want to do it Tuesday, I'm good with that. Let's do it Tuesday so we don't have to worry about anything on Thanksgiving. Thoughts? That's good. Fine with me. So we will have a new podcast that will drop late Tuesday night, and we'll put it out Wednesday morning so you can enjoy it leading up to Thanksgiving. You can listen to it on Thanksgiving. But just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. 
You can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one.